Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 117. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, hey, welcome to the Dose of Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, thank you so much for all of your support. If it wasn't for you, this show wouldn't even be possible. So if you can, make sure you're spreading the word. Let people know about this show. Tell a friend, a family, a coworker. Let them know what you think about this show. And if you've got the time, please, three to five minutes, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher. Let me know what you think about the show. Leave a rating and review. It does so much to help uh, visibility of the show, keeps us front and center in iTunes, and helps me to continue to let me build this audience as large as we can. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I've also got a brand new podcast out there. It's called the Courageous Leadership Podcast. It's not an interview podcast like this one. It's just me for about 10 to 15 minutes. I try to do it daily. We talk about um, some leadership tip or tactic that helps you become a more authentic and courageous leader. So again, go check it out, Courageous Leadership Podcast, and, and let me know what you think about this one. Again, thanks so much for your support, and here's the interview. Well, what a thrill it is for me to have on my show today, Alan West. He was born in Atlanta, Georgia, in the same neighborhood where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wants to preach. He is the third of four generations of military servicemen in his family. 27 years in the United States Army, Lieutenant Colonel West served in several combat zones, Operation Desert Storm, Iraqi Freedom, where he was a battalion commander in the Army's 4th Infantry Division, and later in Afghanistan. He received many honors, including a Bronze Star, three Meritorious Service Medals, three Army Commendation Medals, and a Various Unit Award. And in 1993, he was named the U.S. Army ROTC Instructor of the Year. After his retirement in uh, 2004, he taught high school for a year before returning to Afghanistan as a civilian military advisor to the Afghan Army, an assignment he finished in November 2007. In November 2010, he was honored to be able to continue his oath of service to his country when he was elected to Congress, representing Florida's 22nd District. And as a member of the 112th Congress, he sat on the Small Business and Armed Services Committees and was instrumental in passage of the 2012 National Defense Authorization Act. You've probably seen him on Fox News as a contributor, a senior fellow at the London Center for Policy Research, and regularly writes for numerous media outlets, including PJ Media and the Washington Times. Alan, thanks for coming to the show. I'm a huge fan. Welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Well, I appreciate it so much, Richard. Thanks for having me on. And I, I think uh, you have the appropriate title for what we are looking at in the United States of America. We do need a dose of leadership. Yeah, you know, it's frustrating. And, you know, I've talked about this podcast many times. And, in fact, uh, the, the genesis of this podcast, I kind of was so frustrated maybe a year and a half ago, I kind of checked out. I kind of tuned out of the media for a while. I said, i got to get around some positivity. But, man, nothing seems to make sense anymore. And, and, and common sense leadership just isn't common practice. What, what do you think, uh, why do you think that is? I think the problem is that the American people have forgotten what leadership really is, and there's a level of apathy out there that uh, I, I don't know if we've ever seen before. And we've seen those men on the street, you know, Jay Leno, uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly, Waters World, and I think even uh, Howard Stern has done it. There are people that are totally disengaged, and as Plato said, those who refuse to participate in politics shall be governed by their inferiors. So if you don't know what leadership is, and, and you and I served in the military, and 
We know this about, you know, courage and confidence and commitment and conviction and character. Then you fall for anything, uh, and I believe that that's the situation. And we've got to get people in, in all positions of, of leadership, elected office, that are going to be true and honest with the American people. I mean, and, and they're going to look after, you know, our uh, national interests and not their own self-interest. Think about how crazy it is that we live in a country where the President of the United States of America uh, receives the war from PolitiFact, the fact-checking group, for having the, uh, the lie of the year. I mean, that, that's unconscious. Why do you think is it you know and you mentioned those man on the street interviews and and they're they're funny but they're kind of sad at the same time I mean is it is it a, a byproduct of of because we we've, we've been so successful I, you know I, I tend to think that and I include myself in this generation we really don't know what sacrifice really means right if you look at the greatest generation yeah. you look at those World War II vets they really knew what it was and and. I don't know. I'm afraid that something is going to have to, a lot of pain is going to have to happen before it turns around. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that that's where you're starting to see the turnaround because, look, you could go out and, you know, most people, when you say Operation Fast and Fierce, they think it's a movie. Right. If you go out and talk, try to talk to them about Benghazi, they think that's a guy that lives down the street. Uh, when you talk about the IRS targeting scandal, uh, people don't think the IRS was at the shooting range. But now, all of a sudden, when, you know, the American people are getting these cancellation notices for their insurance coverage, when uh, seniors are getting cancellations of certain, uh, you know, Medicare programs and they're, they're the cutbacks, they're starting to ask the question, why is this happening? Well, you know, there are those of us who are out there trying to tell you the truth, tell you what was going on, and you rejected it because... I think we've got to that la-la land of, you know, happy to glad. But uh, we're starting to hit a rock bottom, and now people are getting more concerned. And I knew it would come. I mean, you knew it would come. And here we are. Now uh, the American people are starting to look for leadership. They're starting to look for people that are going to come up with the right type of policies and not just politics. Well, where did it all start for you? Tell me a little bit more about your, your upbringing, your childhood. How did you get so passionate about uh, serving your country and, and passionate about leadership? Well, it's easy. Uh, I mean, it came from my parents. I had you know, a father who served in World War II as an Army corporal. He was in North Africa and Italy. And he was a supply logistics uh, soldier, and he was wounded during a Nazi bombardment when he was running uh, supply dispatches uh, on his motorcycle, and I guess that's why I'm a motorcyclist today. <laughs> and then my mother was a civilian servant with the 6th Marine Corps District Headquarters in Atlanta. She did 25 years there. My older brother was a Vietnam-era Marine infantryman. He was one of the case on. So it was very simple, and I just came from speaking at the Navy Junior ROTC program at Boca Raton, and that's how it got started for me in the Army high school ROTC program at Integrating High School in Atlanta. So those basic conservative values of uh, faith and family, education, personal responsibility, uh, those are the things that were inculcated into me as, at a young age. And, you know, wanting to serve the, the, the country and the military, that's just part of family tradition. And now the fourth generation, my nephew, will be promoted to major in January. He's a... Airborne artillery, just like I was. Oh, great. 
Well, thank you for your service. You know, one thing I always asked uh, the veterans that I've had on the show, because I, I like to compare notes. I mean, for me, I never realized how much the Marine Corps taught me about leadership until I was uh, I, I got out into the civilian community. Did you have that same kind of uh, experience? I took for granted, I guess, the leadership atmosphere yeah. I was in. Did you? Well, of course, you take it for granted because we're all there together, and uh, you know, we just we just think that's the norm. We think that's the standard, and then all of a sudden, when you get out of the military, you're working with civilians, and you know, the the ability to think through, you know, what they see is very complex issues or situations, and easily come up with solutions, and the the structure by way we do think, and the decision making process that we have, and you know, the, the willingness to always step up and say, hey, you know, I'll take the leading role if someone needs to. You're right. That is something that we have learned from our time in the military. And that's why I believe that once upon a time, uh, after World War II in Korea, you had somewhere 70 to 75 percent of the people on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. had served in the military. And now we're down to less than, I think, like 12 percent. So I, I believe that that's an indicator when we see some of the failures and shortcomings come out of that legislative body. Yeah, there is a perception out there. I'm curious to what you think, too. Of the, I've, it, the people that weren't familiar with the military, and, and I, as I've been around, there's this perception that it is very rigid and very command and control. And I would argue that the military side of leadership, at least for the Marine Corps side, I'm curious to hear what, how your Army experience was, was more um, creative, more flexible, more pushing, mm-hmm. more asking for forgiveness than permission than, than most people might think. Was that your experience? Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Although I think that the military has moved to a very risk-averse uh, military right now, and I think that really is a, a bleed-over from civilian leadership. But you're right. It's very decentralized. You know, we had a, a saying called top, top-down planning, bottom-up refinement. So that you can get the young lance corporal or corporal or, you know, the squad leader, sergeant, that can make a decision as long as he knows the uh, the next higher level uh, guidance and intent and end state. He's able to, to have that flexibility to make a decision on ground. And that's what has made our military so successful as opposed to a really structured regimented military like we saw with the Soviet-style model whereby the orders come down and you don't have the flexibility to do anything different. So we give people broad latitude. We give them very open, you know, left and right limits and parameters. And as long as they can accomplish the mission, which has been stated by the next higher level in the chain of command, then we're good with it. Yeah. What for you is the one characteristic you think every leader should possess? What what trait do I think every leadership possess? And I think it's the trait of, of character, and character is doing what is right when no one is watching. That's the number one thing, and after that, I would say it would be uh, courage. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the courage and in, in tied with the decision-making is so critical. I think that's the biggest probably gap or the big, or we could get the biggest bang for the buck if people would understand that uncertainty is always going to be there, the fear is always going to yeah. be there, and that if you could just go ahead and step out in faith, step out in that fear, then, then that's when the great things are going to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So t- let's talk a little politics. I, I don't talk politics a lot on the show, but obviously with you, you've been so ingrained with it and it's such a passion of yours. And you said something at the beginning of the show that I think is true because I was guilty of this. I told you a year and a half ago, I said, you know, I'm just checking out. I'm not going to worry about pol- politics. But if we don't 
kind of step up to the plate and get engaged, then nothing's going to change. Um, what can an average guy like myself or anybody else out there, what can they do? I mean, what are some of the steps that we can do to get engaged? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to be aware of the issues. And, you know, I'm not trying to say you, you learn everything, I mean, uh, about the legislative agenda, legislative process. But definitely have a, a working knowledge of, you know, economic issues, especially tax policy, regulatory policy, maybe a little monetary policy, and uh, national security issues, because I believe that those are the two most prevalent areas that we've, uh, we've got to get things turned around. And uh, once you have a working knowledge and uh, be able to share that with others, look, you, you have a, your platform with your podcast, that's admirable. But so many people are out there on the email and they always send around the, uh, the funny video of the cat playing the piano or the, or the cute kid or, you know, what have you. But we've got to get people that are willing to share thoughts, perspectives, and insights about, you know, some of the, uh, the current issues that are happening that they see affecting them in their lives. And also, people have to have the courage to talk to those who uh, don't so much believe as they do and, and get them to understand the criticality of the situation in the United States of America. We, we're, we're, we are in danger of really losing the essence of who we are as a constitutional republic. And just recently, the uh, House Judiciary Committee, they had a hearing about uh, executive action and the uh, overreach of the executive, which threatens the uh, system of checks and balances and co-equal branches of government that our founding fathers established. So, those are the type of things that we've got to get people to understand and truly see. Why do you think there are so few African-American uh, Republican politicians or conservative politicians? Uh, I think, you know, really when you, uh, no one tells them that they are conservative. No one challenges them to think. And the Republican Party kind of gave up on the black community coming out of the, uh, the Great Society programs of Lyndon Johnson. When, you know, on Sunday, the most conservative people in America are black because of their fundamental principles and beliefs. Now, you just have to get that to extend Monday through Saturday. And and I see that changing. I mean, I was up in North Carolina last week, and I've met several uh, elected officials who are are black. And uh, one female judge who, uh, you know, was brought up in Fayetteville, North Carolina, She's uh, looking to get on the North Carolina Supreme Court. So uh, it's, it's starting to happen because you know, people are asking themselves, what do I really believe in? And we need to also be there to, to help them to understand what their core values are. And it's the same with the Hispanic community as far as their core values as well. I don't think anybody wants to sit back and be dependent upon the government. I, I just... You know, maybe, okay, maybe there's 20, 25% that want to live their lives that way, but that's not a life of self-esteem. That, that doesn't help you to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and have any sense or simple surprise. So we have to talk about the opportunity society and talk about how the, you know, it's about the, the individual and bettering the lives of the individual and not enslaving the collective. Well, so you've been on the inside and you see it. So answer me this is what happens, um, you know, you hear, especially after 2010, and you're a part of that big movement and a lot of people and a lot of positivity and people go there with, you know, it's the age old, you know, question, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. What happens when somebody gets there? I mean, you've, you've had a glimpse on the inside. What happens to some of those people when they get there? Why did, why do they change their views? Do, is it a, 
Do they get sucked into the power? Uh, the, the, I mean, what is well, it? It's very, it's very simple. I mean, it's the, uh, the power corrupts and, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I mean, you it's very enticing when you show up there and people want to take you to breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and, and you've got all these new best friends, and, you know, you've got to run uh, campaigns, and so you go to these people, and they provide you money, and the next thing you know, you're bought. You're, you're owned. Right. You're, you're not your, your same person. And that's why, you know, I was so proud that, you know, we were one of the top fundraisers in, in uh, Congress, but you, you looked at um, how the breakdown of our fundraising, you know, the, the average donation was about 95 to $96, and uh, 90% were individual donations. They were not from, you know, big K Street type of packs and things of this nature. So that's why I'm a firm believer in term limits. Uh, the founding fathers never meant for us to have career politicians. As a matter of fact, it was uh, it was uh, George Mason, who's the Virginian, who said that nothing so strongly impels a man to regard the interests of his constituents than the certainty of returning to the general mass of the people from whence he was taken, where he can participate in their burdens. So you're supposed to go back and live under the laws that you created, not stay up there for 40 years and things of that nature. So if you have term limits, I think that takes away a lot of the power and control of the uh, the D.C. lobbyists and things of that nature. And you have people that will go up there and do what's right for the country because they know how they have a finite time. Yeah, it's just, you know, I, and I look back at even at the um, last election, and of course, you know, I, and I'm make no apologies for being a conservative and obviously I voted for Romney but I was really surprised at how few people turned out um, on the conservative side turned out for the election why do you think that phenomenon happened well Mitt Romney did not connect with with America whatsoever uh, and he just he, he just seemed somewhat artificial he seemed like he was going through some uh, the motion and you know, he, he was on top of the world after the first debate because you saw someone that, that showed passion. You saw someone that, you know, looked like he really wanted to, to lead this country out of the morass that was in. Right. But then the second and third debates, he just dialed it in, and people just were not inspired. You know, leadership is about inspiring That's people. Right. You know that. Yep. I know that, you know, being served in the military. and. It is about, you know, leading by example. That's the best way to inspire people. And, and I just think that he was uh, unsuccessful in being able to do that, make that connection. You know, one thing I love about what you do is you're passionate about um, JROTC. And um, I think it all starts uh, with getting kids to understand leadership. I mean, it's amazing to me. I've, I've, Me and another uh, former Marine, we've talked about this, how we've given talks and to, to college-age students and people about to graduate. And I can't tell you how many people, the, of those ages that come up to me and said, wow, no one's ever talked to me about this before. I've never really heard it. And it's just so, it's just common sense, basic leadership. There's nothing magic about it. It's stuff that's been around yeah. that just exists. How, how do we get to, um, and I think JROTC is a, is a great avenue, but uh, I learned from you and in, in, in reading up on you that that's kind of at a, they're at a threat. They're, they're, they're kind of disappearing, aren't they? Yes, they are. And, and that's why that has become, you know, one of my, raise on the edges is to, you know, make sure that those programs are strong and viable because, you know, it teaches our young kids about responsibility and accountability, about discipline, 
it teaches our young kids about extensive patriotism and, and love of country, and uh, it gives them a positive environment. You know, it was so interesting when I was there uh, today at Bocaton uh, High School, and I'm speaking to the Navy Junior ROTC cadets. They're all in uniform. They're sitting up straight. I mean, they look great. And there were some students that were there, you know, from you know, a couple of the other classes, and you could just see the, the stark difference. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and just the appearance and, you know, their, their demeanor, their, uh, their, their body posture, you know, their, their bearing. And so this is, this is what the, the intangibles that we are able to impart to our young people that I think are going to make them better citizens, better Americans, and our country will be better for it. You know, we're not saying that every kid that goes through the junior ROTC program has to go off and, enlist in the military or, you know, go and get a, a college ROTC scholarship or go to the service academy, but I think it touches them and makes them a different individual. I agree with you, and I think one of the biggest challenges we face out there, and with, as a father of four daughters and two of them are teenagers, it still surprises me how many kids, and we all, I think we all struggle with self-image and self-confidence issues, but it's so prevalent with kids, and um, I think getting involved in like a JROTC, helping with your bearing, helping develop a command presence does wonders to help somebody's self-image. I don't know. I, th- I just, yeah. I just think it's. No, you're you're absolutely right, and it just and, and it gives them a sense of pride in themselves. I mean, when I was looking at the young freshman cadets going through their inspection, you can just see it in their eyes. Right. I mean, it, it was it was a pride in their eyes, and you know, today the uh, the. Uh, the Corps Cadet Commander, uh, she was presented a $180,000 check for her Navy uh, ROTC scholarship to go to Georgia Tech. And, uh, you know, you just think about seeing her standing there, what that meant for those, you know, freshmen and sophomore cadets, and, and even the other students that were there to say, wow, you know, this young lady got a full ride to Georgia Tech. Uh, I mean, those are the opportunities it provides, but with the budget cuts that are coming down out of Washington, D.C., you know, the, the, the federal government would rather have people going on food stamps than support a program like this, which will make, you know, better and more responsible and productive young men and women for this country. Yeah. So tell me about your, your Guardian Fund. What, what is that all about? Well, you talked about, you know, how do we get more uh, minority conservatives. That was, that's what the Guardian Fund is doing. We are going to get behind 14 military and minority conservatives out there who are going to be running in the 2014 cycle. Uh, unfortunately, uh, E.W. Jackson, who was the uh, lieutenant governor nominee uh, in Virginia, was not successful there. But what a great story. man came up from a, a broken home, reunited with his dad, magna cum laude from the University of Massachusetts, Harvard Law School graduate, former Marine, that's the story we want to get out there. And, and he's black. Uh, Mia Love out in Utah, yeah, Mia who is, uh, you know, mayor of a, a city there, Saratoga Springs, running again for Congress. Tom Cotton, a former Army uh, Ranger, uh, served in Iraq and uh, Afghanistan, who was a representative uh, in the House of Representatives, running for Senate in Arkansas. And Dan Bongino, who is a former Secret Service agent, uh, presidential detail for two presidents. So those are the quality, the character of people that we're looking to support. We've got a, a list of about 25 to 30, and we're going to go through a you know real-tight vetting process so that we can find those other 10 
that we'll get behind and support as we go into the 2014 cycle. And it's all about getting more military and minority conservatives to be inspired to run and give them the support that they need. Oh, that's great. Um, and so how's uh, how successful you been? Have, what are the challenges that you're faced with? How's it, how's it been going? Well, it's been going very well. I mean, we were out in Utah about three weeks ago with Neil Love. Uh, we'll be up in Maryland with Dan Bongino in January doing some things, events. And February, we head out to Arkansas with Tom Cotton. Uh, last week, uh, I was in four different states, uh, Ohio, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, talking about the Guardian uh, Fund and also uh, telling people their successes and raising money for it. And it's going very well. Great. What about your future? What did you get? Are politics in the, are, is office in your future, do you think? Or Yeah, yeah, I'll be back. Uh, the most important thing right now is to help out others, help out the team. It's not about me. It's about the country. But for a lot of folks... You know, been encouraging me to, to return, and, and I will. We'll look at it before the 2016 uh, cycle, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be obedient to God's will. What advice would you give? You know, say those young people listening to the show. A lot of them are middle managers. They're kind of they're in that kind of position where they got to lead up, they got to lead down, they got to lead across, and uh, it can be a very challenging position. What advice would you give somebody out there in that position? The most important thing is to be as confident as you possibly can in your your duty and your responsibility. To uh, always seek to you know set you know higher goals and standards for yourself, and always seek to challenge yourself to taking more increased leadership responsibility where wherever you are, and to uh, like I said, lead by example and and always be seen as the go-to person when there's a, a critical issue, and and you're the one that everyone trusts whether they are your superiors, your subordinates, or your peers, to make things happen and get things done. Well, guys, Shalyn, what a pleasure to have you on the show. Give a quick uh, plug where people can find you, how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. The best way to follow me is on allenbwest.com, A-L-L-E-N, middle initial B, W-E-S-T, all one word, dot com. And uh, that's our website. You know, every day I try to do at least, you know, three to four, maybe up to five different little pieces, uh, current events that I write about, give my perspective and insight and assessment. You can follow us on Facebook. I think we just went over 800,000 there, so uh, it's going very well. And uh, you have links to the uh, to the Guardian Fund and also to the Allen West Foundation. Help us out with the ROTC programs at our high schools. And then be on the lookout for uh, the first book that I've ever written, and that comes out in April of next year. But uh, you can go to the website. You can pre-order. Perfect. Well, when that book comes out, we'll have to head back on the show, and we'll talk about that book and a good way to promote it, too. So I'd love to have you back when that uh, comes out. Yeah, thanks so much, Richard. Have a great day, and Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, Alan, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. You got it. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership eBook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.